Good afternoon from Southeast Asia. This will be episode number three, episode or volume number three of the Southeast Asia Chronicles. Yeah, that's what we'll call them so far. Chronicles. <laughs> um, <clears throat> let's see. All tapes are copyright 2023 by stockphotosworldwide.com. Uh, you can go there to find these. Stockphotosworldwide.com. There's a link at near the top of the page. You can look at pretty pictures of Southeast Asia and crazy pictures of Southeast Asia and things like that. Okay. The This this series of podcasts, we, we normally do alien stuff. Disgusting. Debunched. Arousing. Alien podcasts. Those are at alienanalprobe.com or some people don't like to type that in, so they go to theyclaim.com. They think that's more respectable. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Um, so you can go listen to those things if you want a lot of alien stuff and probing and alien sex and stuff like that. No pictures, sorry. Um, this series, the Southeast Asia <clears throat> Chronicles, is designed to Tell people what it's like to escape the matrix in the U.S. And also try to help them do it. Um, I'm not keen on seeing a whole hordes of expats coming into Southeast Asia. We've got enough of them. And a very great deal of them are whacked in the head. I don't know what it is. Um, there's a lot of whack jobs here. Really. We don't need any more. But if you're a nice person and you're and you're tired of your life of quiet desperation, and you're nice, just be nice. If you're nice, we'll try to give you some tips and clues on how to get here. First of all, we're going to tell you maybe a little bit about whether or not you want to even be here. Chances are somewhat high you do. <laughs> Um, and then we're going to, we're going to try to tell you how to get here, how to do it, how to pull this off if you really want to. Some can't, a lot can, a lot of people who think they can't, can, they just need the right tools and the, kind of an overview of what the hell it's going to be like and, uh, stuff like that. Okay. So, <coughs> dang it. Um, as you know, these are really informally done. I don't do outlines. I don't plan. <laughs> no, I don't script anything. I just talk. And the way I do it, the way I keep any order at all to it, is to um, go chronologically. Because that's all my tiny brain can handle. Um, but even when I go chronologically, I like everybody, I tend to skip things from time to time. And I, I think people understand things that they don't. Um, and so what's happening already, even with episode number three, is we're getting feedback <clears throat> and people are saying, man, I, I didn't really understand what the hell you were talking about there. And uh, what's this all about? And you're going too fast. No, slow down. We want more detail and stuff like that. Okay, got it. And that's going to be a continuing process all the way through these because that's just the way it is. You know, you write a book or a magazine article or something. And, uh, you know, before you send it off, you can go back and edit it. You can read it and read it and read it and have other people read it and they say, oh, I, I don't like that word. You know, I, 
you didn't explain this very well, and, and you, it's easy. You edit, you change. Um, with a podcast, it's really, really hard. Really, really hard. You just can't really do it. So what we're doing is we're just going to rely on people who write in and say, hey, I, I, what the hell are you talking about there? <laughs> we don't get it. Okay, and then in the next episode, we'll go through it and uh, flesh it out, clarify it. That's how it's going to work all the way through this. Um, with Aliens podcasts, um, people don't ask a lot of questions. Or if they do, they're so stupid that I don't answer them. <laughs> um, with these, there's going to be a lot of questions. I can see that already. There's going to be a, just a mountain, mountain of questions. Um, and I'll try to answer them as we go. Um, okay, so that's what we're doing. Um, one of the first things people wrote in about was they said, okay, in number one or number two or whatever, um, you talked about you had an Indian wife. You married an Indian wife from Canada, from the Indian reservation. And, um, and then later you're talking about some other girl and she's like German. And then what the hell is going on? Oh, oh, I, I screwed that up. I went back and listened. To, I screwed it up. I'm sorry. I forgot to mention. <laughs> Uh, I can see things in my brain, but, you know, I, I, okay. Um, yes, I did marry an Indian girl from a tribe in uh, northern Canada. Um, when I was on the square-rigged sailing freighter, we sold food and supplies to Indian reservations all up and down the coast between, uh, well, between the U.S. and Alaska, all, all up and down that stretch. Uh, we did every 30 days. We did a turn. We did a run, round trip every 30 days, no matter the weather. We had to be on schedule. We had to be at certain places on certain days. Had to be. Had to be. So if it was a hurricane, it didn't matter. We had to run. And uh, that put a lot of salt water in my veins. Um, she, Since we were going to the Indian reservations, they didn't speak English hardly at all then. This is a long, long time ago. And uh, so she, her, her, she, I mean, obviously she was fluent in her own dialect. Um, and she could kind of sort of, depending on the tribe, depending on where we were, um, she could translate better or worse, you know, depending, depending on how close their dialect was to hers. But she was the only, the only link we had at all between the Indians at all. We, you know, we couldn't talk to them at all. They couldn't talk to us at all. And so, um, you know, we, we had this huge square rigged sailing freighter and we'd pull into these little coves where there was an Indian reservation built on the side of the hill or whatever. And, uh, you know, they were, gosh, they were, hadn't even heard of cars, I don't think. They were so far out in the bush, there was no roads, there was no cars, there was no nothing. And we would pull in there and uh, drop anchor in the cove. And if it was summer, pretty much the whole tribe, maybe a hundred, something like that, would just dive into the water. Half of them were naked because it was warm and they liked it. And they would just dive into the water and swim out to us. Um, the, the, the tribes often had real dugout canoes, real dugout canoes. And they would launch those things and they'd come paddle them out and they'd, they'd all raft around the, the big boat, you know, and we'd help them up onto the decks and we had a store set up there. And so my Indian wife um, would jabber, jabber, jabber and, and make the deals and take the cash and stuff like that. So that's 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 what was, uh, what I was doing with her. When she came down to the U.S. later, 
Um, I didn't realize it in Canada, maybe because we just didn't have access to it, but she was a hopeless drunk. I didn't know it. Uh, when she came down to the U.S., she had access to endless supplies of alcohol, and she drank it all. <laughs> no, she couldn't drink a town dry. And as anyone knows, that's a recipe for madness and chaos and and divorce. Um, I learned early in my life through through my family that if if they're drunks, you cut them, you cut them loose, you cut them loose, you, you cut them loose. It's the only thing you can do. They are a lead anchor, and they're going to drag you down to whatever depths they're headed to. If you try to hang on to them at all, at all, they're going to drag you down. Every interaction is going to be a drag down. It's going to, it can ruin your life, even though you, maybe you don't drink at all. It can ruin your life, just having them in your life. Not necessarily even living with you, just around. And I learned a long, long time ago, the only universal solution to that was cut them loose. And so when I realized she was just hopelessly drunk, uh, cut her loose, divorced her. Um, I was divorced a while from her. How long? A year, maybe. Not even a year. No, not even a year. No, 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 no. Three, four, five months. And I was around town quite a bit. It was a little town, a little logging town. <clears throat> and I was around town all the time. And I knew God, probably, you know, 70% of the people in that town. And there was a little girl, she was about 13 or 14, really, one of these super, super, just stunningly pretty little girls. I was, uh, how old was I? 20. No, yeah, 20, something like, no, 20, 21. I think I was 21, or rather, yeah. Anyway, I had seen her around, and she waved and smiled, and I would wave and smile, and that was that, because she was, you know, I think she was 14, actually. And uh, I would see her, you know, a couple of times a month at the store here and there or whatever. And that was it. Done. Done deal. Done. You know, just, we don't talk, you don't flirt. <laughs> you know, yeah. She was somewhat flirty. But anyway, um, I was in a, where the hell was I? I was in a cafe one night, pretty late, about 11 o'clock. And I was eating. I, I remember I was eating uh, Roast beef uh, with gravy. Roast beef on bread with gravy. I, how do I, I don't know why I remember that. It's funny how the neural connections forge themselves in some situations and they're just there forever. <laughs> you know, I can't remember my dog's name, but I remember that. And I was sitting there and it was rainy outside, nasty like it always was out there. And uh, I had a bunch of friends. They were friends, yeah. Younger than me. Um, they were in the 15, 16, 17 year old range. A lot of them, I knew a lot of those kids and they were, they were typical kids, you know, they were in trouble in this way and that way. And, you know, I had problems with life and stuff like that, but I, I don't know why I clicked with them. I don't know why I clicked. Um, our culture, cultural backgrounds were the same or something. I don't know. I clicked and I was friends to them and I liked them and I was kind of the, uh, the quasi fawns to them, you know. And so I'm sitting in this place having this roast beef sandwich thing. And suddenly the door bust open and they all ran in. There's like eight of them. And they all ran in and they, and they said, uh, 
so-and-so, that, that, that girl, that blonde girl, she just got kidnapped. And I'm like, what, 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 what blonde girl, what the hell are you talking about? And, and they're like, you, you know, you, you've seen her, you know who we're talking about, that girl. And they told me her name, and I don't think I ever knew her name. And they said, she just got kidnapped. And I'm like, oh, God dang it, you know, come on, come on, guys, come on. <laughs> you know, are you? Uh, this isn't an episode of Happy Days, you know, really, it's not. And, and they said, no, really, seriously, we're not bullshitting you, really. And they all looked very serious, and they all looked very somber, and they all looked very um, shocked. They looked shocked and scared, really scared. And so after about five minutes, I started thinking, God, really? Really? Could she have been kidnapped? What in the hell? Okay, now i got to tell you, in those days, in that region, the police were just somewhere. I don't know where they were. They We never talked to them. If they gave us a ticket, maybe sometimes, you know, we'd pay it. That'd be about it. But whatever problem anybody had, we just handled it. I mean, it didn't matter what the problem was. The last thing we ever would have thought of would have been to call the police for anything at all. Nothing. Nothing. Somebody somebody uh, kills your kid, you go kill him. You know, you don't bother calling the cops. They'd, what the fuck? That was the culture. I don't know. Some people can probably relate to that. Some people can't. But they were so far removed from our thinking that I mean, they didn't exist. Really, they didn't exist. They wrote tickets, you know, that's all. That's it. That's all they did. And we didn't think about them unless we had to. Um, so I didn't tell them to go call the cops. I just said, well, I don't know, you know, if she really was kidnapped, you know, what the hell you want me to do about it? She could be anywhere, you know, as the population of the town was 40,000, something like that. But what, you know, it's a rainy, dark night. It's 10, 11 o'clock. Well, nothing I can do, you know, what the hell, what the hell, go, you know, maybe you know where her friends live, you know, go around there, and they, and they knew who kidnapped her, it was two guys, two guys who had been hitting on her for quite a while, really getting obnoxious about it, two older, much older guys, uh, early 20s, and um, I ended up doing a website on one, that's a long story, but um, anyway, so they, they the, the kids knew who they were, and I said, okay, go to their friends, you know, see if they just took her somewhere or something like that. And, no, 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 really, this time is serious. No, they didn't just take her to somebody's house. No, they, they, they had rope and they had gloves on and shit like that, and they forced her down in the back seat. And I thought, oh, really? Well, what the fucking fuck? Maybe this really is something legitimate. And I, I was really, really slow to react on this because I just didn't believe it. <laughs> you know, it's, nothing happened. There, there had been one murder in that town in 10 years. And that was some woman who killed her husband, you know, <laughs> probably deserved it. Uh, it was a, I mean, we had a, we had a, everybody fought all the time, but nobody had guns, really? Well, I did. But, uh, people who had guns, they didn't use them. Um, it was a peaceful town. It, it was it was a logger town. It was a drunk logger town. Everybody punched everybody out, but we didn't kill each other, you know. So anyway, um, we're sitting there and we're discussing this and, and, they're, and they're saying, come on, come on, come on. We got to go. We got to go look for her. And I thought, fuck, it's impossible. You know, they had a couple of cars and I had my car. And okay, so we got three cars. What, we're just going to drive randomly around town in the rain, in the dark. We're never going to see this car. It's probably 5, 10, 20, 50 miles out of town by now. What in the hell, you know? And I want to finish my roast beef anyway. <laughs> and as I'm sitting there, 
and, and they're looking dejected like, oh, fuck, you know, the fawn's not going to help us. Fuck this shit. And all of a sudden, they started yelling. They said, look, look, look. And I looked out the, the glass doors of this cafe, and exactly across the street, exactly across the street, a car was pulling up. And it was the car. It was the car that had kidnapped her. And I thought, oh, motherfucker. What? Okay. And I, I told the guys, no, go, go get him. Go get him. You know. And they said, no, we can't because the one guy's from the army, you know. I, okay. Okay, motherfucker. And just about that time, this little girl popped her head up in the back seat and looked straight out across the street at us in the cafe. And she looked fucking terrified. She looked just terrified. Just, oh, God. And, uh, you know, that gets the protective bullshit going in the guys. <clears throat> and me too. And I said, okay, okay, let's go. And right at that instant, they pulled out. That car pulled away. Uh, they had stopped over there for something. I don't know what they were doing. But anyway, they had stopped for something. And then they pulled away before we could even get out the door. I thought, oh, fucking shit. We're, you know, they're going to be blocks away before we even get to our cars. Cars were a couple of blocks away. And they're just, what the fucking fuck? Jesus Christ. And, uh, but we did. We went ahead and ran for the cars. And, uh, and got him, got him going. Mine never, ever, ever, ever started, but it did. It just did. I like magic. And, uh, they were all piled in my car then. I don't think we, I think we just took my car and they were like, you know, six of them in the goddamn back seat sitting on each other's laps because they all were scared and they wanted to stay together. And we started off down the street and I thought, where in the fuck, where, where would be a logical place for, for her to take this girl? What the hell? Where would they be going? And it just hit me, a little, little mini bolt of lightning, and it hit me, and I thought, oh, they're going out in the woods. They're going out in the fucking woods. They're going to rape her in the woods. And if she, if she screams, gets mad, they'll probably kill her. And uh, so I thought, okay, there's only one route to the woods, closest route to the woods. And we went down, made a right-hand turn, went over a bridge, and we got right in the top of the bridge. My car was really stinking slow, especially with all those goddamn kids in there. But somehow we caught up to these fuckers, and they were right on top of the bridge. And we got up next to them. They, did, they didn't know, they didn't recognize my car or anything. We got up next to them and just looking, looking, looking to see what the hell they're doing. And they were looking straight ahead, driving. And right at that point, the girl popped her head up and looked at us with a look of horror, the guys, horror, horror. Uh, something just hit me, just struck me. And uh, so I had a passenger roll down the window and uh, went over and kind of kind of lunged the car at, at this car a little bit to get their attention. And that guy rolled down the window like, what the fuck do you want, asshole? And I just yelled across, pull over, fucking pull over now, right now. Fucking pull over right now. And he's like, no, fuck you. Who are you? What the fuck? F f bullshit. And he kept driving. And I had a gun and I pulled it and pointed it at his face. I said, pull over. I'm going to fucking shoot you. And he grudgingly slowly went down off the bridge and he pulled over on his shoulder. And we were on him. We were just fucking on him. Everybody was just on him. And I uh, got the girl out of the back. And uh, they had their gloves on. They had their little fucking black gloves on up in the front. They had some rope in the back and shit like that. And she thought maybe that was the end of her life. 
going to be miserable for a while, and then it's going to be the end of her life. That's what she was thinking. And so the guys all took, my guys all took care of those two guys. The the, uh, the one guy was a drill instructor from a local army base, and he was just a fucking puss, just a fucking puss. And they took care of him with no problem. He was whining and crying by the time he fucking left. And uh, when everybody was done, we just said, don't come back. <laughs> you know, don't come back. You're shoot on sight. We see you. We're going to fucking cap you. Bury you out there in the swamp. Nobody will ever know it. And he didn't. He didn't ever come back. The other guy lived there. And he didn't make any trouble for a while. Um, well, I'll, t- I'll finish that in a minute. Um, that She was 14 at that time. And, and she, I was... That did it. That like cemented it for her. Uh, it didn't do anything for me in a romantic way because the age difference was just insane. Um, but for her, it did something. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, forevermore after that, I was the man. I was, I was the man. Um, but we didn't talk. We didn't, you know, see each other same amount of time once in a while, a few times a month. Say hi. How you doing? And then she got to be like 17 and then she just turned on the charm. She just turned it on like, you know, you're going to be mine. That's all there is to it. I don't care what I have to do. And I was still the age difference. The age difference was the same, but at least now she was older. And um, little by little by little, she just worked her way into my heart. And uh, we ended up getting married. Having kids, all you know, two point three kids, and you know, split level, all the fucking shit you're supposed to do, and uh, so that is the girl. When I when I now when I'm talking about my wife in all of these, um, that was the wife I'm talking about. She's the one who died. God, yeah, that's hard. That was eleven years ago, something like that. Um, now this one pervert, we never heard from the military guy again. He's fucking gone. He's out of the picture. Um, the other pervert about 20 years later, she got a letter from him. We were living on a big boat in a marina. We'd only been there a week. Um, we had just poked our names into the electric account. Um, that's the only way that our names were attached to, to even really to that state. Um, and to right to the right to the boat. She gets a letter from this fucking pervert piece of shit. They say, oh, I love you. I love you. I'm, I'm going to find your husband. I'm going to take him out. You know, oh, God, no, 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 no. And she was scared. And uh, she just threw the letter away. Um, we ended up going out of that marina and ended up somewhere else nearby pretty quickly. Um, and no more from this guy. No more from him at all. Until we'd been married 35 years. And he came back at it. He found the restaurant that she owned and um, just went at it just like a crazed fucking mother fucking goddamn piece of shit just 
sneaking around the restaurant sometimes when she was working, calling again and again and again and again and again. He wouldn't fucking stop. And at that time, we couldn't even remember his name. We couldn't even remember what the f- So we had to go to the town where he had gone to school and go through the goddamn uh, yearbooks and find his picture. And then, oh, got your name, got your name, motherfucker. Now you're ours. And uh, I put together whatever few skills I still had remaining from law enforcement and uh, built a huge dossier on him and found out everything there was to know about him. It turned out that we had lived in probably 10 or 12 towns in that region over many years. So did he. He had followed us to every town over the complete span of 35 years. In one case, he lived a hundred yards from us. And he walked past our house every day on his way to work. Think about that. So I compiled this whole thing and we had the, uh, we had the phone calls. Uh, I did a weird and tricky thing with the subpoena. And I, uh, how'd we do that? We traced, we traced his calls to a cell tower behind his house. So we had him, we had him by the fucking short hairs there. And then finally I took it to court for a, uh, emergency restraining order because I had so much on him. Um, he had been calling her employees, telling them that he was going to take me out, you know, and it's a crazy mother fucking go on down. Turned out he was a lifelong druggie, you know, fancied himself a, uh, one of the biker boys, you know, he had some old rusty Harley Davidson parts. He didn't have any running motorcycle, but he thought he was a biker, you know, and you know, the type he'd just fucking loser in every single category. We took it to court and the, uh, the judge uh, threw it out, wouldn't grant the restraining order saying um, he had not made any threats directly to me. And we said, what? What? Well, here, here's one of the people right here in the courtroom that, 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 that he made the threats to. And the judge said, well, you filed the, for the restraining order. This person didn't file for it, so she can't, you know, we can't take her testimony. It, it just went the, like that, just the usual usual fucking American God clinical insanity of our judicial system clinical insanity I've got a huge website about the guy I I detailed every single detail about him and wrote it all out there with his pictures and everything it's somewhere I can't remember even what the name of it is but um I suppose he's still alive somewhere she's not he is figures um so anyway okay that's the story of that Okay, she was a hardcore German girl. Tough as nails. Tough as frickin' nails. Solid human being. And we had uh, 40 years less. We had 40 years less one day. Okay, so... So that's explained now, right? Okay, got it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so people are saying, people are asking me, well, everybody doesn't like the corruption in the U.S. and they don't like the bullshit and on and on and on. Um, how bad was it? You know, 
Did, did, you, did you really have to leave the nation of your birth because of the fucking bullshit? And like, well, yeah, because the few tiny little tidbits I've divulged in the last two very long podcasts were, were just one grain of sand off the beach. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you lead an active life and you're going to have active bullshit in it. That's all there is to it. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Um, when I worked for the feds, I got tired of, uh, really quickly, I got tired of corruption there. I was only in there like a year and 11 months, something like that. Uh, and I was pissed off by six months. Um, but I thought I could adapt and adjust, you know, and people in my unit that kept saying, well, you know, what we're doing is not that bad. And uh, One of the things that started ticking me off in the very early days was um, we would get a warrant to do a bust in some house. Um, I remember one of them was, uh, it was several friends who worked for the DMV. And for years, they had been selling fake driver's licenses for 500 a pop. That was in the 70s, early 70s. And these weren't just fake. These were real. They were real fake because they put them through the system as real driver's license. Tens of thousands of them they sold. <laughs> they bought a house. Um, they just had the, the blanks and they put them through the system and bam, you had a new real, real, untraceable. It's a real one. You, you, how are you, how are you going <laughs> to, you know, it's a real driver's license. So anyway, <clears throat> We did a lot of work like that, and, and a, a lot of a lot of work against other government offices, and sometimes against other law enforcement. Sheriff's offices were renowned for being little dens of criminals, little dens of criminals. Um, one of the one of the things I was going to say that started ticking me off in the very beginning was. At, in that state at that time, they had a law that said that you, if you had a bust, if you had a warrant, you had a bust, um, you could go pound on the door, you know, you'd follow them to their house, you know, they got the shit, whatever the shit happens to be, you follow them to their fucking house, you know, there's six of them in there, um, and you go knock on the door, and maybe you go clandestinely like a mailman, or maybe you go as a team, you know, with a battering ram, shit like that. And you would say, you'd, you'd knock on the door, you'd say, police, open up. And if they didn't say, yes, come in, couldn't go in. Couldn't go in. <laughs> so how many bad guys got rid of the crap, whatever it was? In, in this case, it was... It was uh, cases and cases and cases of blank driver's license dealer bobs. Um, and they were they were busily flushing. It would have taken, I don't know, three, four, five hours. They would have plugged the fucking toilet eventually. But um, anyway, so the routine was that when you had one of those, somebody in your in your little pod 
would go around the side of the house or maybe the back door or something like that. And you would yell, police open up. And that person from your own unit would yell in a little voice, you know, a little disguised voice. They would say, yeah, okay, come in. Okay, so everybody in your unit, they could testify and say, well, we heard them. They said, come in, you know. But the whole thing was horseshit. Okay, that's that's another one grain of sand on the beach for the shit that we were doing. Um, it was bad stuff. We were we were a high-end. Um, we weren't experimental because this this organization had existed for quite a few years before I came along. So you couldn't call it experimental anymore, but it was, uh, it was out there circling the drain, you know, not the drain. It was out there circling Neptune as far as what we could do. I remember there was one case where they, one guy had uh, gotten into a group and they were doing bank robberies and they were hurting people. And, uh, it was, uh, they weren't the mob, but they were Italian. And so they thought like the mob, you know, all Italians think like the mob. I'm sorry, they do. <laughs> I had a lot of Italian friends and I, that, that thinking is kind of fun to be around as long as they're not fucking being criminals, you know. <laughs> I certainly enjoyed that, that thinking as, as far as taking care of their own hood, you know, and stuff like that. But, um, so this guy, got into that he knew what they were doing i don't i don't think they knew if he knew but he got into their group as far as he could get and he and he just got stalled he couldn't couldn't get any higher he couldn't get to the point where he could really get anything on him to pop him he just couldn't and they were hitting bank after bank after bank after bank and, and hurting people I, I don't recall that they killed anybody but they hurt him they shot shot him and hurt him in other ways and everybody really wanted to get this fucking group. But the, uh, the quote unquote Don of the family, you know, it wasn't really a Don, but he, he was the top guy, a patriarch. Um, he wouldn't let this guy in. But the Italians, respecting family bonds as they do, uh, he saw a way in. So the guy that was orchestrating all the robberies, the bank robberies. Uh, he had a pretty sister. So the guy wooed her for a while, took a couple of months and uh, married her with the blessing of the family. And right after the wedding, um, then he's in. He's fucking in. He's in like Flint. He's in. He's accepted. Now he's quote unquote the family. So right after the wedding, right after, before they get to go fuck somewhere, you know, um, the family said, okay, now you're in. Now we're going to initiate you. And he said, okay, let's go. He rubbed his hands together. So he called it in, you know, like, okay, okay, we're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to go here and we're going to do this. And they took him out and they did a bank robbery. And I, oh God, somebody did get hurt on that one. I remember. They did two things. They did a bank robbery and they also did a liquor store that was like next door within the space of 15 minutes. And um, they're like, okay, now you're, you know, criminals like us, now we're fucking buds. You know, now we are truly, truly family. We don't share the DNA, but by God, we're as close as you can get to that. And he said, yes, yes, I feel it in my blood, you know. 
And they got all done, and um, he didn't come back to boink the girl. He just said, okay, i, I got to go somewhere. i got to do something. I'll see you at the house. And he went and made the call, and we popped, popped the whole family. <laughs> and then the next uh, morning or a couple of days later, he got the whole thing annulled because he hadn't done anything. You know. Okay, so the point I'm making here is that that's a pretty sleazy fucking way to do shit. Um, we did stuff like that all the time. Uh, sometimes we would go with them and hit a liquor store and, uh, and, and maybe two or three in a row. And the management of our group would come in later and compensate the store owner, said, look, keep your mouth shut. You know, we're, we're on these guys. Don't worry. You're going to get them. We're going to get them. And uh, in every case that I know of the, the owners or whatever, you know, the victims just said, okay, get them, fucking get them, try to get my money back or whatever. And uh, and it all got smoothed over and straightened out, and and it was just it was like that every day, every day, every day, every day. We had one guy in in my unit where we would go somewhere. We had a safe house. We had a bunch of shit, and we would go somewhere and we have a big meeting. Okay, like uh, okay, here's John Joe Smith. You know we're going to get Joe Smith, and everybody's like, okay, how how are we going to do it? And we'd lay out maps and plans and pictures and everything. And everybody's involved. And they're thinking, and they're and they got ideas. And well, we had one guy who who would just stand off in the corner, even if we were in a restaurant, he wouldn't sit at our table. He just stood off in the corner, wouldn't listen to anything. He had no fucking plan whatsoever. He wasn't in on the plan. He had no well, you know, he did have a plan. He wasn't in on our plan. His plan had nothing to do with our plan. And so <clears throat> we'd get it all set up, and we'd go to hit the door. And the door would pop, and he just elbow past everybody. He's in there. He's in there first, and he's just wanting to shoot. He's wanting to kill people. He just wants to kill them. You know, could be somebody's daughter, sister, wife. He didn't know. He didn't care. He just wanted to kill people. Okay, so I saw too much of that, and after a year and eleven months or whatever, I couldn't take one more minute of it. It became toxic to me. I lost all respect for him. I, under, I, I appreciated what they were doing. They're trying to take bad people off the street, but you can't, you know, you, you can't do that. You can't do that. You know, I'm not a huge respecter of, of laws anymore, but you can't be amoral. You can't do that shit. You cannot do that shit. Anyway, so that was another thing that drove me out. But, you know, all this stuff just went into my change jar. And when my change jar got full of Mr. Hankies, I said, okay, that's it. I'm out. I don't care. I don't care. I'm just, I'm just leaving. That, that shit started pretty early. I remember as a kid, I was uh, 16. Just got, oh God, I had my driver's license like a week at school, high school. And I had a 100cc Suzuki trail bike. Horrible piece of shit. Uh, we had laws in that state had a minimum speed limit of uh, 70. No, wait, wait. I had a maximum of 75, a minimum of 55, okay, on, on the freeways. And I couldn't do 55. I couldn't do 50. <laughs> I could do 49. That was it. That was downhill with the wind flapping my fucking arms like wings, you know. That's all, that's all there was in that little 100 
you know, it's vintage about 1968 or some goddamn thing. Just was a trail sprocket, you know, it's just fucking crap in every possible way. Um, so anyway, I left school one day and I wanted to go about two blocks to a kind of a mini mart thing and I wanted to get some lunch. And um, it was a nice, quiet residential area. Nice, nice place, nice, nice suburbia. And I got on that little crappy thing and started putting off down the street. And I got about a block and a half, about a half a block from this mini mart. And all of a sudden, this cop car just shoves me off the road, just shoves me off onto the fucking curb. And this huge, fat, red-faced, yahoo, hillbilly son of a bitch gets out. And he's shrieking, and his face is turning purple. And he's saying, I've been chasing you for a mile, and I called it in as a, as a chase because you're just crazy and you're going to kill people. And I clocked you at 87 miles an hour. And that's verbatim. That's what he said, 87 miles an hour. And I, I, was, I was a young punk, you know, I was being nice. I, I, everything I said was yes, sir, or no, sir. And I said, sir, I, the, my school is a block and a half right there. You couldn't have been chasing me for miles. And this motorcycle will not go 87. I wish it would, you know, 49. That's it. Maybe in a hurricane at my back, 50. Uh, and, and that just sent him over there and he's just screaming and spitting spittle and snot running down his nose. And he's screaming that I know about these motorcycles and on and on and on. And he wrote me for 87 and I took it to court and, and beat it. But at that tender young age, I'm like, oh, 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 step back, step back. Look at the bigger picture. What's going on here? What, where, where am I? Where am I? Is this reality? People really act like this? Cops really act like this? Just lying, just lying pieces of fucking shit. And so stuff like that just added up and added up. And it, and it, it does for everyone. It has for you, too. I don't care who you are. It has added up for you to some degree. The more active you've been in your life, the more this shit has added up on you. Um, sometimes people have one or two really horrifically bad experiences with corruption and shit like this. Excuse me. And after it's over, they get it resolved in one way or another. And I think, oh my God, oh, well, that was fucking terrible. But, uh, you know, if I just stay home from now on and never leave the goddamn apartment, you know, these bad things will never happen to me again. And so they might go, they might go their whole life again without having something like this happen again. But if they're out there moving around, being active, doing shit in life, having all kinds of businesses and adventures and sh it's going to happen. It's really, really, really going to happen. And after it's happened 7,000 times and you keep stepping back and you keep stepping back and you, and you keep saying, oh my God, look at the bigger picture. Look, oh my God. Just when you think you can't be surprised or shocked, you're surprised and shocked. Again and again and again and again. And, and, and you reach a point where you think, fuck, fuck, that's enough. I can't take it anymore. You know, hell is the impossibility of reason. I own the domain. Hell is dot, 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 the impossibility of reason. That is hell. And to me, that's what America had become and, and, and still is today. It's getting worse every day. Um, I rode Rustler Patrol for a huge ranch. It was, uh, let's see, 1,100 sections of land, of uh, cattle land in the mountains low mountains, um, cattle grazing. And let's see, 
There was a 1,100 sections, 640 acres to a section, so it was 704,000 acres. And it was ours. And our cattle was on there. And they disappeared a lot. And finally, they hired me <clears throat> to uh, stop it. Gave me all the horses I could ride, all the horses I could wear out. And I, I lived on the other side of that rangeland from the ranch headquarters. So I was 25 miles away on the other side of their ranch. And so that's what I did for years. I just rode and uh, looked for rustlers. And I don't believe we lost any, I don't, as far as I know, we didn't lose a single cow when I, when I was doing that. Before that, they lost shitloads. They lost 66 head one night. Um, a lot of them, they, no, not a lot of them. Some of them, they caught. Um, in quite a number of cases, when they caught them, they turned out to be local sheriff's deputies. Think about it. Is that a world you want to live in? Well, Southeast Asia has that shit too. In some ways and in some places worse than that. But there, there, at least there are some perks to Southeast Asia. I couldn't find any more perks in America. There weren't any more perks left for me. Okay, if you want to really see how bad things have gotten in America, I've mentioned this, I mentioned this regularly. Um, there's a YouTube channel. I think it's a YouTube channel. So I don't know, just Google it. Uh, Google for audit, the auditors. And by the, about the third one, you'd be just pissed off and scared and wanting to leave the U.S. Because the law enforcement in the U.S. has gone stark, raving, fucking mad with power. And of all the countries I've lived in, I have not seen even a hint of that kind of madness anywhere else in the world. But the U.S. has gone gaga, cuckoo, fucking ape shit with it. And every time they get caught, they double down and do it more and defend it more. Okay, here's my last bad story, I hope. When I bought my plane ticket <clears throat> for uh, Thailand, and I was 99.4% done with the U.S., <clears throat> really close to being done, but there was still this teensy little thing in the back recess of my mind thinking, well, you know, if uh, Southeast Asia doesn't work out, well, I guess no big deal. I'll just go back to the U.S., you know, no big deal. And I borrowed a car to go to the airport. I could drop it at the airport, and then they would pick it up there later. And it was a, a new, um, the hell was it, Porsche SUV, some kind of a thing like that. Um, and it was new and shiny and everything was in order, all the papers, you know, everything. And I was driving along and I was on the big freeway, probably 30, 40 miles from the airport. And just thinking about the trip, you know, speeding a little bit, probably seven over. I usually did seven over, felt okay with that. And there's a pickup in front of me and he's going slow in the fast lane. It's, a, it's an older green pickup with a bunch of tools and some kind of machinery and shit in the back. Looked like gen sets or something. I didn't know what it was. And he wouldn't get over and he wouldn't get over. So I did right-hand signal, moved over, 
Passed him slowly. Got quite a ways ahead of him. Left signal. Back in front. In the fast lane. And as I went by him, I saw that there was some kind of an emblem on the on the door. And it looked to me like forest service or something like that. And I thought, okay, well, whatever. Yeah, whatever. And I got past him and was going. And I wasn't going 15 seconds. And a fucking light bar lights up behind me. And I thought, what the what is this? Forest Service? He must have accidentally hit the switch. That's what it was. He accidentally hit the switch. Well, but why has he got red and blue? What the fuck is that about? And I was watching him back there for another, you know, 15 seconds. And then he came right up on my ass. And I thought, oh, well, this is, this is some kind of a problem. I don't know who the fuck this is. Maybe this is somebody impersonating a cop or maybe, I don't know what. Maybe, maybe I got you know, fire shooting out of the back of that car or something like that. Okay, whatever. So I pulled over, right-hand side, all the way over, pulled over. And I got out and I, he had no uniform. He just had this old pickup, but he had a gun and he had a, did he have, no, he, he didn't have a radio. He had a gun. And I said, who are you and what do you want? And he's like, turn around and put your hands on your head. I said, No. What the fuck? Who are you? You tell me who the fuck you are. Okay, and it went like that for a good 10 minutes. And he, he never would tell me who he was. He never would tell me who the fucking fuck he was. At least not till the end of it. Um, and I was going to call uh, State Patrol. My phone was in the car on the front seat, and I thought, well, if I go for it, he's going to fucking shoot me because he's got his hand on his gun and he flipped the thong off it, and he's looking twitchy, and he's got little pig eyes, and he just looks like a fucking hothead piece of shit. And I, I kept asking him, what are you pulling me over for? And he never said speeding, because I wasn't really speeding. And he said, well, you have no front license plate. I saw that in my mirror when you were behind me. I said, this, this is a certain European car. It's not required to have a front license plate. It's Look it up. Call it in. Call it in. It's not... And who the hell are you? By what authority are you stopping me on a fucking federal highway? What the hell? And um, he's standing there, and we're looking at each other, and then he shut up, and I shut up, and just waiting for him to make some kind of a decision. And he reached out and uh, punched me in the chest. Just punched me in the fucking chest on, on my left side. And he started to do it again, and I blocked him. And then he just was pummeling me, just pummeling at me. And I blocked every single blow because he was big and fat and stupid and slow. And I'm, I'm no great fighter, but he was easy to block. And I just kept blocking him, blocking him. Get your fucking hands off me. Just stop. And normally I'm armed, but I was going to the airport. If I had been armed, I would have put him on the goddamn ground, waited for state patrol. Um, and then he realized he couldn't beat me in a fight. And we just stood there again, looking at each other. And he was just steaming, just steaming. And he he pulled his uh, gun partway out of his holster and he said, turn around, put your hands behind your back. And I looked him in the eye and I knew, telepathy, whatever, I knew if I didn't, he was going to fucking drill me. And I did it. And he cuffed me, put me over next to my car. And I have a lot of damage from, from diving, from being bent quite a few times. 
and my shoulders just don't go where they're supposed to go. And anyway, it really hurt to have them behind me, but I, that was okay. I could deal with that. But he had clamped them down onto bare wrists really goddamn hard, one of them in particular. And after just a minute of that, I said, look, I can't take this pain. I can't take the pain in my right wrist. I can't take it. You're going to have to, you're going to have to loosen that up. I can't take it. You know, you want to see me cry? I'm going to cry. I can't take this pain. And he said, oh, okay, let's see about that. And he reached over and clamped it down harder. And then he started accusing me of being some kind of a, oh, I wish I could remember what the term was. Some phrase he had for some, for some group that believes there's no government and they don't have to respond to any government or something like that. I, I could probably Google it and find it, but it doesn't really matter. And he started accusing me of being one of them, whatever that is. Um, and I said, look, you better call this in. You better fucking call this in because you're digging your hole deeper every minute. And I told him who I was and my background. And he's like, fuck you, I'll do what I want. you know. And finally he sauntered off to his truck and called it in. He was on the radio a long time, probably 10 minutes. So this whole thing now is into 35, 40 minutes. And um, he came back. And he was a fucking whipped puppy. He's apologizing to me right out of his truck. I'm sorry. Maybe we can work this out. I'm really not such a bad guy. Uh, I hope you don't hold a grudge. Just, just sickening. Just fucking sickening. And he came over and uncuffed me. And he, and he said, uh, you know, I, I hope we can just let this go. And I didn't even answer him. You know, if I, if I wasn't on my way to an international flight, I would have made a big motherfucking deal out of it. We would have spent the next day down at the station for the state patrol. It turned out that he was game warden. He was an off-duty game warden. Just on a fucking power trip. Just, just dizzy with power. Um, I've got a website about him, too. Um, I went and got on the flight, and that last little 4% of love that I had for the U.S. was gone. Gone. It's fucking gone. And I, I went down there with no intention of ever, ever coming back. Okay, so, if you love America, it's great. Love it. I hope somebody does. I wish enough people loved it that they would band together and straighten out some goddamn shit. But I know human nature, and I know they're not going to. It's on the decline. It's declining so steeply and so... It's going so fast into free fall that it doesn't matter. You know, there's not that many good people left in the U.S. anymore. And, and that whatever little group there is left, they cannot stop this fucking free fall. They cannot stop it. It has to... You just got to let it fall and let it crash at the bottom and hope that something gets rebuilt out of it. That's not going to happen in my lifetime or your, your lifetime. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse for probably 30 to 50 years. Some of you might see it hit bottom. I don't know. I mean, we're seeing places like San Francisco, Cincinnati, whatever. I mean, we're seeing those places getting closer to the bottom, but they're still not at the bottom. But they're, but they're just going to keep on going. They're going to get worse and worse and worse. 
there are, there are entire no-go zones now in almost every city. You just don't go there. You don't go there. You got 10 people with, with vests and everybody's got an automatic something. You still don't go there because they're, they're going to get one of you. Lucky shot, you know. So I want people to love America. If you love it, that's great. I'm behind you. I hope you do. I'm sad for your fight because I don't think it's winnable anymore. I don't, I, I don't even think it's 50-50. I don't even think it's 60-40. I don't even think it's 20-80. I think it's 90, fucking hell, 99.9%. It's unwinnable. Um, the, the smart people have learned to just hide. You just hide now. Just hide and hope that the insanity doesn't get you. But it's getting to the point where it probably will. It will. You, you can't hide that well. The only thing you can do is get out of it. You know, hell is the impossibility of reason. And now I see that as a synonym for the U.S. Hell. I felt the beginnings of that when I when I when I first left Canada. Now I now it's just glaring neon neon lights. Um, so if you love America, that's great. Thank you. Thank you for your love. <laughs> you know, kick ass. Rock and roll. I'm behind you. I support you. But I don't share that love anymore. Uh, America has become a stranger to me and not a nice stranger. I had to I had to shoot two people in my lifetime. Neither of them law enforcement related. Justified, both justified. Um, hundred thousand more experiences like that, that just built up and built up to a toxic level in my system. And it's building up in your system too, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast because you're wondering, you're wondering if there's someplace better. And there kind of is. Even if it's not better, it's Cost of living is going to be about a third of what you're paying now for a similar comparable lifestyle. Um, and as crazy as the Southeast governments are, and they're all mother fucking crazy, they aren't as crazy as what I see in the U.S. Um, okay, so people are saying they want more detail about getting here, about about my personal trip, because they want to. They try to imagine themselves doing it themselves. You know, like, what do I do? How, where, how do I get a flight? Where do I get the flight to? Where do, how do I, how do I know what's a good hotel or a bad hotel? So the people are saying they want 20 times more detail than I have offered so far. So I need to back up and regroup and step back and look at the bigger picture. To, okay. What do people want to know? That's, that's my job right now is to figure that out. Um, so I got it. I understand. I understand what you're asking for. I can do it. Um, so I'm going to back up a little bit to about the point where I'm looking at flights, you know, and then we're going to go through it and I'm, and I'm going to try to tell you what, what the thinking processes were. So you can, you can understand your own thinking processes better and, and you can say, oh my God, other people had that question too. And, and this is how they answered it, you know, like that. 
Um, okay. I'm going to tell you, first of all, one last thing here before, before I just sort of relaunch these podcasts from the time of the flight onward. I'm going to, I'm going to mention just a couple of things. There are things you will miss here if you come here. And, and I'll mention these again and again as we go through these, but there are things you will miss. Uh, personally, I miss rock and roll. I miss real rock and roll. All through Southeast Asia, you will barely ever find any kind of rock and roll music. The Southeast Asians don't like it. They don't understand it. It's loud. They can't get into the rhythms. They don't understand the sounds. Um, I'm going to place them as we go here. Maybe in this one. I've got a whole collection of uh, Southeast Asian music. And I'm going to play little snippets of it. Um, so you, you get a little sense of, it's really pretty, pretty, pretty. God, it's, a lot of it just makes you cry. Well, fuck, I cry. Step on a bug, I cry. So these days I do. Um, so I miss rock and roll. And I miss rock and roll fucking parties. You know, a little, little bit of a rocker. I like the real goddamn parties where you park your car and there's that old commercial that depicted this and it's real. You slash your fucking tires, all four of them. So in no weak moment will you be tempted to drive over the next week or two. You know? <laughs> and when the party's over and you started to sober up, you call service and you put new tires in there. You probably needed them anyway. You know what the fuck? But uh, those are the kind of parties I like. Kick-ass, fucking rock and roll. So loud, your, your heart learns to beat in the rhythm with the music because it doesn't have any other choice. And eardrums are blown out. Fuck them. Who, who needs them? <laughs> well, if they got bone conduction, you know. You blow them out too many times that they got bone conduction. What the fuck? Uh, there's no sense of rock and roll here. It's, uh, it's weird. It's just... Uh, you play rock and roll for them, any of it, and their eyes just glass over like, oh, God, please, when's it going to be over? Oh, God, no, 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 because their brains just aren't wired that way. So I miss that. I miss flying. Um, technically, well, some countries you can fly in, some you can't. All of them are difficult. Vietnam, forget it. Fucking forget it. You're not going to do any personal private flying in Vietnam. It's not going to fucking happen. Um, Thailand, maybe. Yeah, probably not. Uh, I got a horrible story about a friend who imported, tried to import a plane into Thailand. And horrible. Or I'll tell it at some point later, much later. Um, so in the U.S., you know, I did it all the time. I would just, I, fuck, I'd go to fly-ins. I'd go, I'd say, oh, God, I like that airplane. Look, there's a sign on it. Okay, I buy it. And you got a few forms to fill out and, and a little bit of tax to pay. And you're done. You get an airplane. You fly it home, you know. That's not going to happen here, anywhere in Southeast Asia. In no country you're going to... Private airplanes are just almost unheard of. Almost. Um, Thailand, for instance, here's a, here's a good one for you in Thailand. Nobody lives on the mountains, on the mountains, on the, on the, on the prominent hillsides. Nobody lives there. Why? I thought, why? Because it would be cooler, right? It would be fucking cooler up there. Well, yeah, it would be, but you can't live there because every square inch is owned personally by the king. The king says, no, he doesn't want to sell anything. 
and we'll, we'll we'll talk about kings later on. But so there's things, you know. I'm trying to give you both sides of this. Uh, I I had a day where I had that little airport in uh, Idaho. I had I had one day. It was the most fun thing I ever did in my life, and I and I I'm gonna miss that. We had, it was a airport primarily for experimental planes, you know, really, really weird ass shit, which is what I like. And one day for 4th of July, somebody brought over, I don't know, like 10,000 fucking pop bottle rockets or something. And they were all the kind that, you know, they would they'd fly out and then they'd do a little pop, you know, a little firecracker would explode. <laughs> you know, we were, when I was a kid, we used to have, we'd get up on, on the roofs of our houses and shoot them at, the other kids on the other side of the street who were on the roofs of their houses, you know, the fucking great. <laughs> but this time we modified that and we got some copper tubes about 14, 16 inches long and <laughs> we taped them um, like just the, the struts that held up the windshield, stuff like that. So they're pointing, you know, kind of sort of forward. <laughs> and uh, we would take, uh, you know, 500 or 800 pop bottle rockets in a little bag, just in our lap. And we had some punks, you know, those things that you light rockets with. And so we would go up two or three of us, each in our own planes, right around the, right around my airport. We just stayed right around there. We'd get, we'd go up, you know, two or three hundred feet, something like that. Had to call it into fucking air traffic, you know, say, hey, we're going to be flying. And then, okay, okay. 300 feet, who the fuck cares, you know? They did anyway. And uh, so you, you're flying along and you take a pop bottle rocket out of the bag and you slip it. You, you've got to reach way forward and you slip it into the copper tubing thing that's taped, you know, to whatever strut you got. And then so you got the rocket part, you know, it's just hanging out, pointing into the wind and you got your punk. And then you go looking for the enemy. <laughs> and that. Uh, Pretty soon you're going to find one and you're going to get lined up. Of course, he's going to try to get away. And uh, when you think you got him, you torch that baby off. <laughs> you know, it takes off. And most of the time, you know, 95% of the time you weren't even close to him. You know, you couldn't get within 20, 30 feet of hitting him. But it, it would go by him and he would see it, you know, and then he'd bank over like, oh, fuck, you know, they're on me. <laughs> and then he'd try to get in back of you and shit like that. So sometimes you come at each other head on and just, phew, 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 <laughs> And uh, sometimes you hit them like in the back of their helmet, something like that, if they if they had open, if they were open like that. And uh, I shot one at my friend and it went like past his ear. And... Um, Got right in front of him, like about four feet, five feet in front of his face. And it went up a little bit. And then the rocket part um, fizzled out because it was done. And the wind smashed it back against the leading edge of the wing. And the engine had been slopping oil and shit. It was a fabric wing, and the engine had been slopping oil and shit onto that fabric. So it was all greasy and nasty and, you know, some gas mixed in and shit like that. And so that, you know, the, the rocket part fizzled out, and the, and, the, and the little rocket went up there, and got, and the wind just held it right exactly against the leading edge of that wing, and then it went pop, 
<laughs> and it started the wing on fire. Oh, fuck. And I didn't burn a lot, you know, just like, uh, I don't know, five by five inches, something like that. And uh, he actually, he could undo his seatbelt and get up there and pat it out with his hand, you know, because it opened the cockpit. And that was the most fun I ever had. Um, that was one whole day on that. I don't know how many tens of thousands, but you're not going to do that Southeast Asia. It's not uh, shit like that. Rock and roll shit like that is not going to happen. And I'll tell you lots of other things that aren't going to happen too. So you've got to keep that in the back of your mind about, you know, do you really want to come down here? Really? You, you just got to keep that, keep that as a filter back there, you know? Because there's a lot of shit you can't do down here. There's a lot of new stuff you can do that you can't even imagine yet because I haven't gotten to it. But shit you can't do. Okay. So, so I prattled on. Oh God, our time. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start into the rehashing of, I, I told you that I had done pin the tail on the donkey, came up Thailand. Um, after that, I, I had a week or 10 days, something like that before my flight. And I did find a guy in a coffee shop who had been there and he started telling me about it. And I thought, oh yeah, come on, come on, come on, what? you know, stupid shit. I'm not that fucking stupid. So I didn't talk to him all that much <laughs> because I thought he was just so full of shit that he wasn't worth listening to. Um, so I sent off and got the visa through the uh, embassy, sent my passport in, paid the money. It was, it was 30 bucks or something. Uh, in those days, all you needed was a passport. You didn't need any other goddamn COVID fucking stupid shit like that. Uh, some countries are still hanging on to that, by the way. Some countries you got, you got to keep up your vaccines or they'll kick you out. They just kick you out. And I went through that for a long time. I ended up with like six vaccines, which none of them, which I wanted. Um, in the Romania, um, Ukraine region last year, myself and, a, and my good friend, uh, we both got COVID from the same person, same, same COVID, same strain from the same person, got it the same day. <laughs> and he had never had a vaccine. I had had six. And our, our sickness, our COVID was exactly precisely the same. It followed the same schedules, the same degree of sickness, the same symptoms, exactly within hours of each other. It's clones. And uh, for both of us, it lasted about 32 days. It was a motherfucker. It was a bad one. But I had six vaccines. He had none. Same exact, exact. So I'm no longer a believer in these vaccines they've been shoving down our throats. I, I, I still may have to get one to go to some countries. You will too. Some countries down here will demand it. Many of them will. Um, so be prepared for that. If you don't have one, if you don't have one, you're not going to move around the world very much at all. It's it's just uh, horseshit. The whole thing is horseshit. And it, and it usually has to be within a year. So think about that. Think about if you're willing to do that. Um, okay, so I sent off my passport, sent the money, and in a, in a few days they sent back the, you can get it by rush, it was only four days or something. Uh, that was for Thailand. Most 
countries are about the same. Now, all of the, not all, most of these countries have uh, visa on arrival. So it means you just, you just get in the airplane. You just get the ticket, you get in the airplane, you fly in, you get off the airplane, you go to customs and say, they say, who are you? And, <laughs> and you show them your passport and they'll stamp you for a, you know, 30 days, usually something like that. I think Philippines just changed it to 60. I'm not sure for the, for your initial um, visa. Um, sometimes you got to pay a little bit. I used to pay in Cambodia all the time because you, you could, you could pay little bribes and, and bypass three or four hours in the queue, you know, 10 bucks would get you in in 10, 15 minutes. Um, and, and get you a better visa too. So. Uh, Vietnam, forget it. You, God, when I was going there, I was going into Saigon. Um, you could not just go there. There was no visa on arrival. If you go, if you went there and said, I want a visa, they say, fuck you. Where's your papers? I don't have any papers. Well, get back on a plane because you're not fucking coming in here. You had to apply for a letter. And if they approved you, they would send you the letter. And the letter you take to Vietnam and you present it to customs and custom and, and, and the letter says this person is now authorized to apply for a visa. So you apply for the letter so that it will let you apply for the visa. You know, the Vietnamese are really whacked. Really whacked. It's probably, I don't know. I know people who go there. I know people who live there. I've been around Saigon quite a bit. Um, yeah, I found that it was okay if you just get a hotel and you just go around and you don't get involved really with too much of anything. Other countries you can get, you know, pretty well involved with stuff. In Vietnam, you don't. There's still a lot of anti-American sentiment in Vietnam. Um, and Laos, too, also. Oh, God, I ran into that really big time in Laos. Um, so anyway, okay. So... If you, if you are going into a visa on arrival country, you just go. And they'll give you a visa for 30 days or maybe if you're lucky 60 days. And then you're in. And then from there, you can decide if you want to try to get extended visas. Or if you're really happy there, you can get retirement kinds of visas. Like uh, Thailand has a dedicated retirement visa that's nice. It's cheap. You only got to renew it once a year. It's ducky. I loved it. It's ducky. I would, every year I would go drop off my passport at a, a uh, immigration attorney office and a couple of days later they'd call, say it's ready, new passport for the year. That's it. That's all you had to do. Well, no, you had some other shit you had to do every three months. But Thailand was easy. Um, some other countries are not so easy. Um, Cam Cambodia is easy if you don't mind paying bribes, and the bribes are small, you know, cheap. Um, sometimes when you pay bribes, you don't get a real visa. You get a fake visa. And then when you go to leave, they say, hey, wait, 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 what, what is this shit? You're, you're fucking seven months overstay because this visa is not real. So you've been here illegally for seven months, and then you're fucked. You're going to go straight to jail, and they're going to hold you until you pay a bunch of money. And then they're going to put you on a plane in handcuffs and send you out of the country 
some kind of stipulation that you can't come back for whatever, you know, six months or two years or five years or maybe never. Uh, so that's a real big thing you got to watch out for. Um, anyway, if you get it from the embassy in the U.S. or any any Western country, you're going to get a real visa. You don't have to worry about it. Um, and I have found in these countries that if you get a real visa, it greases the wheels. Um, and things go smoother. I don't know why exactly. I guess they figure, well, this probably isn't a fake passport because the embassy passed it through, so maybe this guy's okay, you know, like that guy or girl. Um, I remember coming into Philippines once, and I had gotten a Philippines um, visa stamped into my passport, passport through one of their embassies. It's the first time I ever did that in the Philippines. And I went to extend it at, at the big immigration's office in Manila, and they're like, what? What? What is this thing? What is this thing? What is this thing? Where'd you get this thing? How much you pay for that? And I told them, well, I got it from your embassy, you know, and they had to go around and check and see what the hell. They'd never seen it. They'd never heard of it. But once they found out it was legitimate, they thought, oh, well, then this guy must be A-OK. -okay. And they gave me all kinds of perks, and they extended my visa for a lot longer than they were supposed to, and gave me some ID cards for free that were supposed to cost a lot of money, and uh, it was pretty good. Pretty good deal. Um, anyway, so think about, I highly recommend trying to get the visa from the embassy wherever you are. Uh, get your COVID papers in order. And for most countries, that's about all you need. For Philippines, you need some other stupid goddamn shit. And they, they're just adding more and more requirements seemingly every month. They're, they're crazy for rules. God, they love their rules. They have no concept of how much it inconveniences people and how much it drives away tourism. But I think there's, let's see, one, one, two, three, three or four things you have to arrange and get now to come into the Philippines or to leave. Also, you can't leave. You can't, you might not be able to leave. You got to do, you got to jump through some hoops before they'll let you leave. They won't even let their own fucking people leave half the time. Um, so Philippines can be problematic, but you know, I don't know where you're going. I'll try to cover the countries I know about in more detail uh, later on. But I went into Thailand first because that's where the tail got pinned on the donkey. Um, it was a horrible, disgusting flight. It was a PAL flight, uh, Philippines Air, out of out of the West Coast. Uh, it left like five hours late. It's like a 14-hour flight. Sometimes you get a little early because uh, you get a, headwinds aren't so bad or something. Uh, but count on it being 14 hours. Um, they used to have directs into Bangkok, Thailand. They don't anymore. Uh, you'll have to transfer somewhere. Uh, very often Manila or um, Taiwan or Beijing sometimes. Well, I don't think you can go into Beijing. No, I'm not sure. Um, there, there, there's a wide variety of places you can um, stop in. And if you if you can arrange it, I recommend that and even take a couple of days. Lots of places now will give you a, a little temporary thing. You know, it's a pass through 
visa kind of a thing. I don't remember exactly what it's called. You can, like Taiwan, you can stop there for a couple of days. You know, you just you get off the plane. You say, okay, my, my flight isn't, my connecting flight is, is not going to happen for another two, three days. And I want to be able to walk around, go outside, go to McDonald's. And uh, they say, okay, and they'll stamp you right there at customs and give you like two days, three days, whatever, whatever. And then you can go get a hotel and you can mess around. And it really breaks up that horrendous trip, that 14-hour bullshit. I had one that was almost 16 hours. I suppose it was Hitman's. Oh, shit. They can really knock you down. Uh, you're going to have, uh, to most of Southeast Asia, you're going to have, give or take, you're going to have a 12-hour time difference. 12 hours. So exactly opposite of. And, and you're going to, let's see, you're going to go ahead a day to Southeast Asia, a day. Um, and if you're, if, you're, if you're going west, if you're, let's say you're going from the U.S. to Southeast Asia, you're going way, 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 way west. You know, you're going 12 hours west, almost, or 11 or 12 hours, something like that. And so if it's dark when you leave, you're going at almost the same speed. Well, you're going really, really fast west. I don't, I don't know what the speeds are. Um, so you, so it's going to be, it's not going to be dark for eight hours or nine hours. It's going to be dark for like 14 hours. <laughs> no, because you're going with. If you leave in the daytime, it's going to be light for like 20 hours. You know, because <laughs> you're going with the sun. So the sun kind of stays with you. And it's really weird if you're going, I did around the world um, last year and I went east all the way and it was dark for, you know, five hours. <laughs> then it's daylight for five hours, you know, because you're going against the sun. So the jet lag and, and, and the, the, going east, I, uh, other people have different opinions on this. When I go east, the jet lag cripples me, cripples me. It might take me four or five days to even be up and moving around. It's horrible. When you're going west, I found it no particular problem. Uh, I, I don't know what the science is on that. Somebody Google it, you know, somebody will tell you. Um, so try to break up your flight. Try not to go Philippines here. They suck. Try to pay really particular attention to the type of aircraft. I had one flight I was in, uh, fuck, it was, uh, I had been on the border of Ukraine and then I flew out of, um, where the hell? Can't remember the name of the city in, in Romania. And I was supposed to go direct to Bangkok. Well, they, they muffed the flight. They fucked the whole thing up. And my flight, my flight left an hour before my connecting flight even landed. <laughs> it's insane. So they said, well, you can sit here for a couple of days in the airport. No. Uh, or we will give you this free flight. You can go from here to fucking London. You know, that's uh, whatever it was, 12 hours, something like that. And then you just turn around to get on another flight and you come back. <laughs> Only you're not going to stop in Romania. You're going to go all the way to Thailand. And that was, I don't know, 16 hours, something like that. That was horrendous. But the point is, the planes that I was on for that trip were, I don't know what they were. I don't know what models they were, but they were horrible beyond description. Uh, cramped, cramped beyond 
beyond all reason. They were just horrible, horrible. And, and for, you know, I had 12 hours one way and 16 hours the other way. And it was, it was mind bending, mind bending. So you got to be careful. I, I've done a couple of flights on 747s. Get them. <laughs> you know, if you can get one, get on that sucker. Uh, even the way back there in the cattle car, you know, it's going to be comfortable. And there are some other models too. Just do research because on a five hour flight or a three hour flight, you can tolerate anything. On a 16, 14 hour flight, no, <laughs> you cannot. I don't care what you have to pay to get a decent aircraft. Pay it. Just fucking pay it. If it's three, four hundred dollars more, it doesn't matter. Pay it, pay it, pay it, pay it. Oh, God damn it. Um, be really careful these days about luggage weights because they are in the business now of fucking you really, really badly. It's just called theft. It's a scam. It's just theft. It's just out and out fever, you know. I had a friend, he had, uh, what do you have? He had a wife and three kids. They're, they came out of London and they went to, um, Singapore, I think. And they had, one, two, three. They had three legs. Uh, and they couldn't get it all connected so that their luggage was going to be moved automatically. They had to get off each leg and get their luggage and then recheck in. Okay. So, they, so it was him and the wife and, and three little kids. And him and the wife each had a couple of suitcases. Um, the three little kids had God knows what. I don't know what they had. Probably a bunch of little suitcases. I don't know. He got popped... $200 US for each suitcase that couldn't go and carry on. Each suitcase three times. Um, I made one flight out of Bangkok going some damn place. I had, I had read on the website where it said um, you could only have two bags. Yeah, that was it. You could only have two bags no matter what. And I called them. I spent days trying to call them, and they they don't answer their phones, and they're, they don't speak English, and it just goes on and on like that until you fucking give up, you know. Um, I was uh, trying to find out is there some way I can take three bags? Some God, I'll pay, you know, really. And they just kept saying, no, there's no, it doesn't matter how much you pay, you can't take three bags. And so I showed up at the airport with uh, with two bags, and they were really really heavy. They were over, and I knew they were over, and I knew I was going to pay pay a lot. It was like, uh, fuck, I can't remember. It was hideous. It was like $400 per bag for two bags, something like that. And she said, why didn't you take three bags? And I said, what the fucking fuck? I, I tried for days and days and days to arrange for three bags. And they said, no, 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 no. I even had arguments in the chat sessions with the people. And she said, well, see, of course you can take three bags. And if you would have taken three bags, then the weight would have all been allowable and you wouldn't have to pay a dime, you know. <laughs> so be prepared for that shit because it's going to drive you crazy and yelling and screaming at some stupid fucking clerk in the airport is only going to bring security you know that's all that's going to happen and then uh, then it's going to get worse after that so um they say show up at the airport four hours early no five six because they fuck things up they fuck things up uh, airlines are unreliable now after COVID. Flights are canceled all over the place. Um, 
Planes are broken down. They can't get them fixed because they can't get parts. They can't find uh, competent mechanics. <laughs> I hope they're not using the guy that worked on my air conditioning, you know. Um, plan on delays, plan on canceled flights. Oh, if, no matter what you do, get pay the extra 300 bucks, whatever, and get the refundable ticket. Fucking get the refundable ticket. I don't care what you have to pay because if you don't, and certain times of shit, certain types of shit happen, you're going to lose like 60, you're going to lose like 40% of the ticket. I had a deal last year with uh, booking.com where they fucked up the ticket and they put me on another plane, did some things, but I still was due a refund of about a thousand bucks from, from one plane. And I fought booking.com for months months and finally had to do a chargeback on the, on the credit card because they just they would say well we we processed it it should be in your bank and i say no you know here's a here's a screenshot of my bank no it's not fucking in there and this went for months i don't know how many times they told me they had refunded well, probably 10 or 12 maybe more um get the refundable tickets and then they're much easier to get a refund on and uh if you have to, you can still do a chargeback on them. But um, if you get a regular ticket and you cancel it, or they or or they cancel it in some way that isn't covered, um, you're fucked. You're going to lose a lot of money. So just get to get, you can change the date. You can do all this stuff. It's really worth it. I'm a penny pincher. I don't I don't like to pay these turds, but that's one thing I will I will never go without again. Pay the money. Get the get the, the changeable ticket. Um, refundable, changeable. I don't know what airline is best to go around. Um, PAL, Philippines Air, they fly everywhere down here. They're fucked. As I said, they're fucked. They're half of the service people are rude. Uh, planes are kind of clunky. Um, they're kind of expensive. Sometimes they're more expensive than other airlines. Uh, Japan Air is nice emirates air is nice united pretty nice i don't know if united still comes into southeast asia anymore united stuff was always good that was always my go-to airline my whole life um i got two and a half times around the world so i've flown quite a bit and then a, you know a million little trips here and there um once you get into southeast asia there are quite a few choices and airfares within southeast asia are cheap you can go from one country to the next for like $35. Um, it's nice. Easy traveling down here. Um, what else? This is just a really preliminary. I think we're, I think we're really out of time. Yeah, we're out of time. Um, okay, so now we're really formally into the details of one foot in front of the other. This is what you do. Walk this way, you know. You do this, and you do this. Step one, step two, step three. And I know by tomorrow I'll, I'll get uh, emails saying, well, why didn't you talk about this? You know, and then I'm about Well, then I'll, I'll try to hit whatever I can. Um, so we've got a really, really long way to go. When I started this, I was trying to estimate how many episodes there would be. I, I think I said between five and 20 or something like that. Now I'm thinking 20, probably a good solid 20. To really cover this, 
And I know that all you guys, because I used to do it, even before I lost my wife, I used to sit around and think, God, could, could I go there? Could I really go there? How? I don't know where, where to go. What city should I go into? What, how do I do this? Where, do I need this visa? Do I need that visa? Do I need a bunch of shots? Do I need... Oh God, I, and it became so overwhelming, I just didn't do it. I had the money. For God's sake, I had the money. I, I could have gone around the world three or four or five times a year. But I just was intimidated by the whole process of it. So I know what that's like. I'm still intimidated a little bit by it. Um, here's another tip. I'll give you this last tip and then that's it for this episode. Um, travel light. Travel light. If there's any possible way on the face of the earth you can get on even an international flight with only carry-on, fucking do that. Um, I, I bought myself this uh, GoGo Gadget vest. I paid $220 for this fucking vest. And it has, I don't know, 84 pockets in it or some goddamn thing. And I load that sucker down. I, I, you know, I add like 120 pounds to my body weight getting on there. And it, it's, it's a vest designed to do this. And so they don't really notice it. You wear a, you wear a baggy shirt over the top of it. And uh, they don't notice that, you know, that seat's really sinking down when you're sitting there. <laughs> and I don't think they care because they never, you know, what? I put all my camera lenses, camera bodies, I put fucking everything in there. Um, Jesus, if I ever exploded, you know, if I swallowed a grenade and exploded, there'd be enough shrapnel in there that could kill a whole goddamn fucking platoon, you know. So travel light, get creative about how to carry stuff. Um, checked baggage is a goddamn incredible pain in the ass. It's just, especially if if you get locked into a thing where you're where you're going to make a hop or two. And especially, well, God, even if they do guarantee they're going to forward your luggage, uh, sometimes they don't. And then it just turns into a fucking nightmare. So you're better off to ship stuff internationally now has gotten in the last five, six, seven years has gotten insanely expensive. I don't know why. I think all the carriers got together and they just said, well, how much can we rape them if we all agree? And um, I had some deal. I had a big camera I wanted to ship from Southeast Asia to the U.S., and it was a big camera, you know, long 600 millimeter lens and like that big and heavy. And it was going to be like $880 to ship it with, with enough insurance to cover $880 to ship it. Just a camera, just a fucking camera. So shipping stuff is really hard. What I do is I take all my most valuable stuff. I put it in my carry-on and they, they virtually never check the weight of your carry-on. I think I've had that happen once in my life. Um, and if it's over, they just check it. They just, they just put it under you. But I think only one time that's happened. Don't get a carry on that looks too big and heavy. Get one that looks like everything else. You don't want to attract attention and then load that son of a bitch down. You put 150 pounds in that fucking thing and, uh, don't make it look heavy. Don't look, don't ever make it look like you're struggling, you know, make sure it's got wheels, four wheels. Um, I use Samsonite. I don't really particularly like them, but I don't really know of anything better. Some of the higher end stuff doesn't hold up as well. So, um, put your valuable stuff in there and ship your clothing. 
because um, it doesn't have much value. The insurance is not going to cost you much. And uh, you just put it in a heavy duffel bag, you know. And that'll work. And you're going to feel so much better just by having just only carry on. Oh God, it's it's going to it's oh, it's delightful to to travel only carry on. Oh my God. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. One last thing. <laughs> As you you start researching countries you think you might want to go to, there you don't go to the fucking embassy sites. Or, Eventually, you might have to, to get a visa, but um, I have not yet been in a single country anywhere where they made me get a vaccine except for COVID. You go to the embassy site or something and they, and they have a list of, you know, 21 fucking vaccines you're supposed to get, you know, before, before you can go to that country. Well, maybe it's okay. I don't know. Maybe they're going to have a lot of uh, side effects. You know, maybe they're going to kill you. I don't know. Uh, get them if you want, but I have never once been asked, did I get this, did, did I get, you know, whatever. Um, only thing I recommend is uh, if you're going to be out street walking a lot, especially out in the provinces of any country, go ahead and get the rabies and carry the certificate because rabies is rampant here and these dogs will fucking bite you. Cats will bite you. <laughs> Anything will bite you. Uh, get the rabies. Get the rabies well before you go. And if you get bit, you still got to go. You still got to go into the hospital. And they're still going to give you goddamn shots in the stomach and shit like that. But it's like three shots instead of 20, you know, or whatever. So get the rabies. That's the only one I recommend. And you'll have to get the COVID. But nobody's going to ask you for the rabies or anything else. Nobody's going to ask you for anything except COVID. Um, okay, we, we got to be done. We got to be done. here. All right. So now we're, we're formally pretty much on the plane. Pretty much on the plane. Wait. Okay. And so next episode, we'll take it from that point. On the plane. Strapped in. Huge buffalo sitting on either side of you, you know. Oh, get, get, god damn it, pay what you have to pay. Get reserved sitting, seating, aisle or window, whatever the hell you have. You do not want to be stuck between people especially on a tiny seats. Two hours, three hours, maybe four hours you can do it. Not, not fucking 13, 14 hours. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. Okay, so on the plane, that's our that's our subject for the next one. Okay, this is number three. The next one will be number four. God, this is taking a lot of time. These are really time-consuming. I, 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 I'm trying not to give you bullshit. I'm trying to pack in protein stuff you need to know. Um, if I put these, I haven't done it yet, I'm not sure I'm going to, but all of our alien podcasts are on the RSS feeds. And when we put them on the RSS feeds, they are um, audio only, but they automatically transcribe them. So if you, you don't want to, you know, you don't have the time to sit and listen to a, to this podcast again and again, looking for stuff. Um, just get the, if I put them on the RSS, I, I may end up doing that. Um, then you can just get the transcripts and, and you can, they're actually searchable. You know, you can say, I want to, I want to read stuff about what he was talking about, about Bangkok. And you just search for Bangkok and there it is. And, um, so just keep that in the back of your mind. If I put them on the RSS, 
Okay, we're really, really, really stinking done. All right. Thank you very much. God, hour 40. Good God almighty. Thank you very much. And today I know where the camera is. Nobody freaking touched it because I slapped them with a ping pong paddle. Thank you very much and uh, good evening and still afternoon. Good afternoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs>